When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Oh, always great to hear some Van Halen coming back from break. We ain't talking about love. We're talking about trades and the scoreboard. Seattle and Detroit 4-4 with four minutes left in the second period. A lot of goals in that one. Penguins and Lightning 2-2 in the second. Rangers up 3-2 on the Senators. Predators up 2-1 on the Panthers. And also in the second period, Boston leading Buffalo 2-0. Boston back home after their Western road trip. Orloff has scored for them again. His sixth of the season came on the power play. Later tonight, Toronto at Calgary as the Flames are trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. They are five points out and they have 21 games left. I have always felt, and I think usually I've been proven right in this situation, which is rare that that happens. Once you get into March, if you are more than four points out of a playoff spot, that is a lot to make up. That, that, I, I mean, okay, five. Well, win three in a row. Okay, well, the other team might win one of those or maybe a couple. Like, it's 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 hard to make up ground. Uh, what else? Uh, Wild and Canucks. Canadians play the, the Kings. The Kings traded Jonathan Quick to Columbus. Columbus has now traded Jonathan Quick to Vegas. So that's of note for the Pacific Division. And the Blues are going to play the Sharks. Just, just look at the math there. So Calgary has 22 games left. Let's say they... So they have a points percentage of 549. So, you know, they're bar- they're getting over half their points. They're basically getting 11 out of every 20 points. So let's let's say the Flames do really well. Let's even say they get 30 points in their final 22 games. They If they went 15 and 7. That's pretty good. So that would get them up to 97 points. Uh, Winnipeg also has 22 games remaining. So, you know, they would only need 25 points in 22 games. And so, you know, that that's how I'm getting at that. It has to be it's, it's tough to make up those points once you're to me four or more behind once you get into March Oilers tomorrow as uh, they will be taking on the Winnipeg Jets 530 for the faceoff show game at seven. Uh, I appreciate this guy hopping on tonight because we're on air together a lot. But every once in a while, he uh, does a bonus appearance here on Inside Sports and usually around the deadline. It's Rob Brown checking in. Rob, how are you doing? I'm doing very good today, Reed, and you? I am. Uh, I am doing very well. That's like you and I discussed that a lot with the race. How many points are you out? How many teams do you have to pass? Now the Flames' advantage is they're the best non-playoff team. Like if they were five points out with three teams between them, I would imagine Rob Brown's already writing them off. <laughs> but it's a little different. Yeah, and I agree with you. It gets tougher now because. You no longer control your destiny. Uh, you need other teams to help you. And the problem that we see a lot of the time is teams that you're trying to catch, and they're not just trying to catch Winnipeg. They're trying to catch Winnipeg and or Minnesota and or Colorado or Edmonton or Seattle. 
the thing is, all these teams play each other. So you're you're trying to catch right now Winnipeg and Seattle are the two teams that are tied. Well, they could play each other. That means one of them is getting points that night. Uh, it's not easy. Calgary's going to have to go on a special run. They really are. And it, it, we saw how special a run the Oilers went on where they had, was it two regulations losses in 18 games or something along that line? And all that did was get the Oilers out of the wild card spot. Right. Like it, I mean, it shows you how good you have to play and how little you move up in the standings. So the Flames are going to have to do something special. Are they capable? Yes. But the problem for the Flames is they've had games where they were the better team as of late and didn't get two points. They absolutely dominated the Boston Bruins. They deserved two points in that game. They got one. So when you're not getting points in the games that you deserve, there's going to be other games that happen out there where you don't play as well. So I, I'm a, and you and I have talked about it before. I'm a fan when both Alberta teams are in the playoffs. It's just more excitement in the province. I hope Calgary can find a way to get in, but it, it is tough. They're, they're get, once you get into the teams, which the Calgary Flames are going to be pretty close uh, by the end of the weekend in games left, uh, you've got to be right on that cut line to be able to make it. Calgary is, uh, they're, they're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, they're five behind Winnipeg and Seattle. They're seven behind Edmonton. They are six behind Colorado, who's in the other division, but could still be in the wild. I mean, the Oilers could be in the wild card spot by the end of the weekend. Who knows? But, yeah, I, I mean, that's a huge game for Calgary against uh, against Toronto. Okay, Rob, uh, Nick Bugstad is an Oiler. I'll just recap the trade if people have missed it. They get Nick Bugstad and defenseman Cam Deneen, who has played in the NHL, but he's been in the minors this year. The Oilers give up a third-round pick in 2023, along with Michael Kesselring, who's having a nice year in Bakersfield with 13 goals and 22 points. Uh, he's 23. He was drafted in the sixth round in, uh, in 2018, so he goes to the Coyotes. And Bugstad's cap hit for the Oilers will be only $450,000 because Arizona is going to retain half big dude Rob uh, six foot six he talked a little bit today about injuries in the past um, I reached out to somebody who's seen the Coyotes play a lot this year says he's having a pretty good year though maybe some inconsistency has been a knock on him in the past plays about 17 minutes a game with the Coyotes I, I do not think he's going to have to carry that sort of responsibility here in Edmonton no he isn't uh, he's a depth player that will be on your third or fourth line in Edmonton and, uh, you know, 13, 14 minutes a night. But it, it's funny. The Oilers are in a, in a stretch right now where they're playing the, the, some of the best teams in the league. And when they were talking at the trade deadline, it's, okay, how do you beat a Boston or a Tampa or a Toronto? we got to find, we need, we need to get this, this, and this at the deadline because we've got to beat those, those teams. Well, the Oilers don't get to play those teams unless they get out of their division and unless they get out of their conference. The Oilers in the first two rounds are probably, just the way it looks today, having to go through Vegas and Los Angeles. Those two teams play big man hockey. They're big. They're physical. They play the Oilers hard. The Kings took the Oilers to seven games last year, and this year they're better. They got Dowdy. They got Fiala. They got Arvidsson. So to play against those teams, you need size. And what did the Oilers get at the deadline? They got a six foot four defenseman and a six foot six depth player. That's what the Oilers need to get out of their division. So, yes, the Oilers eventually want to beat the Bostons or Toronto's or the New York Rangers, but they've got to take care of business first in the, in the Western Conference. And some of the teams out West are big, strong, physical teams. And the Oilers needed to get bigger, stronger, and more physical. And they did that by adding, you know, 13 feet of man 
and the two players that they picked up. So those were pickups not only for later in the playoffs, those are pickups for the first and second round. Got a question here coming in from uh, Kai, who said, who will move to the press box with Bukestad coming in? I, I wrote him back and I said, well, based on how the depth chart, maybe not necessarily how he's played, but based on how they manage the depth chart, you know, probably Devin Shore. I mean, obviously there's a, several players, no way they're coming out. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. This, I mean, does this make Derek Ryan more likely to be a, a healthy scratch because uh, it's another right shot center? I, I don't know. How do you look at that? Well, so the Oilers, they had 11 fours last game, correct? Yep. And they've got one forward that's up here sitting out. Patrick, or sorry, Evander Kane. So they got they only have 12 forwards up here before they got Bukestad. Uh, so the first player coming out, unfortunately, is going to be Devin Shore, and it's not on based on how he's played because he's played very well, shockingly well for a guy that is sad as much as he has. He's done everything that has been needed for him. But depth chart, and just all you have to do is look at ice time and where the coaches see them. Devin Shore would be the player out. Where it gets interesting is when Kane comes back in the lineup. Right. Because now there's going to be a player that is not usually out of the lineup is going to be out. Uh, we've seen players like Ryan and Fogel and Shore. Those are the three guys, and it was Billy Arby before that, that rotated in and out of the lineup. Well, Fogel has played a lot better as of late. He's at times moved up in your top six. Last game, I don't know how many times I counted that Derek Ryan was out on a line with either Leon or Connor. So one of those guys will be coming out of the lineup, and it's going to be hard pulling them out just the way that they've played. I think when they start making the decisions, when Bukestad goes in, they're going to start looking what players do outside of their even strength minutes. Who penalty kills, who's power play. That's how they're going to decide which player is a guy that becomes a little more expendable and is in the press box. But I guess the easy ones that we've seen in the past have been Fogel and Ryan, which, I mean, based on how they've played, isn't always fair. But I guess the when you've got a good team, and the Oilers are now a good team, when you've got a good team, unfortunately, sometimes good players are out of the lineup. Yeah, and if they go to 12 and 6, then you might have to pull out a defenseman, maybe DeHarnay, who's embraced his role on the team. So I, there's here. here's what I'll throw at you, Rob. The Oilers, to me... Like you said, they're they're a good team. They, they may even be a very good team. We'll see if they can be great. I've been using that line for a couple of years now. I think the roster they have is pretty good. I think guys are slotted in. Yes, I know people can quibble about this, this, and this, but pretty good with a couple of upgrades, especially at home. The, the problem that the Oilers could run into, and knock on wood this doesn't happen, is they are a couple injuries away from... Marcus Niemelainen or Brad Malone or, or nothing against them, but you know what I'm saying, right? The, yep. the 21 guys who are here right now or whatever the number is now, that's that's not the issue. The issue is a long, battering, bruising playoff run, right? Who's to who? Like, the number seven defenseman isn't an issue? Fine, it's Vinny. 8, 9, 10. Forwards 13, 14, 15, if needed. You're 100% right. And you look at a team such as Colorado last year, how many players that they had to bring in. They had a number of injuries that went through their team throughout the playoffs. And one of the, uh, they had, it was it Gerard that was out of the lineup for a long period, a great defense, and from top four, he was out. Well, they had a Jack Johnson that went in, a guy that's played, I don't know, a thousand NHL games. He was a, a depth defenseman. They had a McDermott 
who was ready to go in, who's played in the NHL for, what, seven, eight years. So it, injuries come into play in playoffs. Absolutely, 100% they do. And that is the fear for the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers, because of their salary cap, have not been able to fully stock their cupboards with veteran players. They can't go out right now. Like some teams are going out. Colorado's gone out, got a couple of players. Uh, Minnesota's got a couple of veteran players they brought in. The Oilers can't do that because they got no money. They got nowhere to put these guys. Come playoff time, you can call everybody up, but the Oilers have no money to get these players now to put them in the minors. So, yes, 100% you are correct that if the Oilers go on a long run, health will be so, so important for them because they will not have the depth players to withstand three or four injuries where they're bringing up NHL caliber players, guys that have got a ton of experience under their belt. Some other teams are able to do that. Rob Brown joining us then at Inside Sports. Oilers and Jets tomorrow. We're going to have Jamie Thomas on after 7 o'clock to talk a little bit more about uh, the Jets. They've had a, a bit of uh, ups and downs lately. All right. Um, we talked a lot about Bukestad. Let's just circle back to Ekholm. I mean, it's not as if we haven't seen him play a lot. And, and a caller called in before 6.30 and said, well, remember how good he was when he went to the Stanley Cup final? And I said, well, I, I, I don't remember specifically six years ago. I just know whenever I've seen Nashville played uh, play, he always was one of usually four or five very good defensemen that they had. I'll say this seeing him in, in person, Rob, maybe the most promising thing for me. Now, I think you kind of pointed this out that maybe you already kind of suspected this. I, I think his puck skills maybe are even going to be better than I thought. Yeah, I, 100%. And uh, his willingness. Uh, again, the first shift of the game last night, uh, he drove through the middle on a three-on-three. Three. Uh, here's, here's the defensive defenseman that you've been looking for. He's leading a rush on the goal that Hyman scored. He was standing in front of the net, and Hyman took two shots, so it wasn't like he just glanced through or just drove through. He was, he was stationed in front of the net. Uh, I, I, I do remember, I, I was always a fan of in Nashville. He did move the puck. He jumped up in the play. He's got some good offensive instinct, but he also understands the main reason he's here, and he's talked about it. And so, yeah, he, he brings more than just a stay-at-home uh, safety net back there. He, when you're playing for the Edmonton Oilers, you've got to be able to move the puck and you've got to be able to jump up in the play. And when you're playing in the National Hockey League nowadays, you have to have that ability too. This is a, the league is fast. Uh, I thought in the game last night, the Toronto Maple Leafs looked slow and the Oilers were the faster of the two teams. That's a good sign. They, we've, you and I have done a number of games where the Edmonton Oilers were certainly the second fastest team on the ice, but they've gotten faster, and, and Ekholm makes them faster. Uh, and to me, just an, another big thing about Ekholm is his excitement about being here. Uh, he's giddy. And I know that, and I, I talked about it last night with you, is all players say the, say the right things when, it, when they're interviewed. We all know what we're supposed to say. We're programmed that way. But you can hear it in the, the voice, and you can see it in the eyes, and he was excited. And that's a good thing. And that is contagious around the dressing room. When you got a new guy coming in, and he's like this kid on Christmas morning. When you, have, when you get up in the morning, your kids are all excited about opening Christmas presents. It makes you more excited. Well, here's a kid or a guy now coming in from a team that's probably on the outside looking in. He's thinking, all right, here's another chance, another lease on life. And trying to chase that Stanley Cup down 
it's going to just inspire the other players around him. And when you got a six foot four Viking inspiring you, <laughs> only good things can happen. <laughs> okay, you you transitioned into my final question, which is going to be a bit of a lighter note. You, you called him the Viking last night. He, he looks imposing. When you played, was there a player that just looked scary? I mean, maybe you didn't even know a lot about him, but when you got on the ice, like, I don't know who this guy is, but he looks like he wants to crush my skull. Well, there was a lot of players that wanted to, and most players look scary to me. Uh, well, to me, I, I mean, I played in Pittsburgh, so we played against the New Jersey Devils a lot. Scott Stevens was scary. He just always looked angry, just always angry. And I remember one game I tried creating space in front of the net in New Jersey, and I cross-checked him so that I could push him away from me and get more ice. Well, he moved away, but he moved only far enough away that he could get a really good swing with his stick into my stomach and sent me to the hospital. So, yeah, there was a guy that really scared me. It was Scott Stevens. So uh, players, there are players out there that when you see them, you're, they make you nervous. And a six-foot-four Viking with that big beard of his and the way he plays, uh, yeah, that'll be imposing. There will be players that will be coming down and they'll look at the two defensemen. Evan Bouchard is going to see more guys coming down his side because they're going to veer away from Ekholm and go to Bouchard's side because Ekholm does scare you a little bit. Rob, this was fun as always. Uh, good home and home here coming up against the Jets. I will see you at the rink tomorrow, man, in Studio 99. I'm looking forward to it. Sounds good. Take care, Reed. Former NHL Rob Brown, our in-game analyst for Oilers Hockey on 630 Chet and the Oilers Radio Network. Hi, this is Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Okay, Nick Bukestad is an Edmonton Oilers, 6'6", 210 pounds, Place uh, center, can also play the wing if needed. That's the trade with Arizona today, 780-496-0063. Kellen, what do we have rolling in? Let's get some feedback here. We'll start with Richard, who says he's very satisfied with this year's trade deadline. Ken Holland doesn't say much, but it is obvious by his actions that he feels that this is the first year of our Stanley Cup window. Uh, he says he can't remember the f- last time the Oilers had such an exciting trade deadline. It was only a few years ago that we were still sellers. His only complaint is... it. Would have been nice to get a bona fide face-off man, but who cares about that when we can defend? That's from Richard. Okay. Thank you, Richard. Okay. Kim texts in and says, Hi, Reed. It seemed like Nurse took more shots on net in last night's game than he normally does. Do you think that the Ekholm effect rubbed off on Nurse? He just seems a little more focused. That's from Kim. Oh, geez. I don't know. I never thought of that. I I would think Ekholm would maybe help Nurse just uh, defensively a bit. I think Nurse had five shots on goal. I, man, I don't know. That, Kim, that's a good question. I, I'd have to go back and look at all of Nurse's shot totals. He has had a few games where he's got up to like three, four, five. And uh, Greaser never satisfied. Texts in tonight and says, Trade Yamamoto. My grandmother could have had a hat trick against Boston. Well, a little known fact, though, uh, Greaser's uh, grandmother was Gordie Howe. No, no, wait, I got that mixed up. Anyway. Played on the same line as Punch Broadbent. Yes, that's right. Who had, uh, I think, six consecutive two-goal games over 100 years ago. Connor will try to uh, tie that tomorrow. Okay, uh, speaking of tomorrow, they're taking on the Jets, and Jamie Thomas is going to fill us in on what's going on with that team. Big home and home for these two clubs. It's Inside Sports on Chet. 